Hello and welcome to Flick and Reel, your friendly neighborhood fan cast. We are your source for news, reviews, and daily discourse. I am your host, Jesse Swift, and on today's show, once again, as always, I am joined by Scott Fox. Your local source for random information. All right, Scott, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give you a little bit of a disclaimer because I did give you roughly 10 pages of notes for today's show. It was uh, a lot. It has, we have massive, massive news dropping. Uh, Disney had their four hour long investors meeting yesterday. And as anyone in the Hollywood sphere can tell you, uh, whenever they have an investors meeting, the fans win because uh, they just have so many things to announce because they want the investors to invest. It's a simple concept. Uh, Obviously the big things are Disney proper, Star Wars and Marvel. But really quickly, they had a few Hulu announcements as well, because if you didn't know, when they acquired Fox, Hulu was part of that. So there is a new live-action Alien series, and the show will be set on Earth and ran by Noah Howley, who is known for his work on the um, FX show Legion with uh, Dan Stevens, I believe his name is, which is a little bit of an X-Men spinoff, uh, trippy psychological uh tv show and then also fargo which was um kind of a spinoff of the movie and the show will also be produced by ridley scott so all of you diehard alien fans that are um enjoyed the original so very much and have been wanting to see ridley scott come back to the property well you got alien covenant how that worked out for you but he's still going to be attached to this so uh, uh scott are you back with us yeah, I'm, I'm here. My my concern with the alien announcement really is just, I guess, it, for people who are alien fans, that's good news. Uh, Ridley Scott is good news. There's a lot of good things going on for it. However, they haven't really delivered well post Prometheus. Prometheus was pretty well uh, received. Um uh, the the sequel to Prometheus, uh, which I believe was Alien Covenant, right? Uh, yes. That was that was marginal at best, uh, and so it feels like there there have been more subpar Alien franchise uh, properties than there have been really top level Alien uh, well, since Sigourney Weaver left. Right. If we're running through it, you have Alien, Aliens, great films. Then you have Alien Three and Four, I believe, which yep. not well liked. You have two Alien versus Predator movies. One of them's kind of a guilty pleasure. The other one is just nothing redeemable about it. Uh, and then you have Prometheus, which, like you said, most people enjoyed it. And then Alien Covenant, which is kind of middle of the road. Yep. Best part, <laughs> you slipped it into the episode. I did. The best part too of early. Uh, I might have spent myself. No, it's all right. It's still in there. The best part of it, the best part of Alien or Prometheus is. Uh, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender really did a fantastic job with that movie uh, and the role. And so that's one of the things that kind of makes me think, okay, um, what, what are they leaning into for an alien series? Who's going to be the front runner of the show as far as the lead actor and the, the main character for the show? That could be the single thing that, I mean, no hallway. I'm not familiar with his work only with his, um, how well his work has been received. I tried watching a couple episodes of Legion and I don't often say this, but it's a little bit right over, right over the head. Not, uh, not for me, not a bad show. Just not, not my cup of tea. 
and um, Fargo, uh, it's on my list of 300 things to watch. So <laughs> eventually I'll get there. But if they really nail um, a lead actor, that could be something that gets me really excited for it. I am, I'd say- I just want to back up one second to oh, the alien yes. stuff. You had, and you had mentioned Fargo as well. The problem I have is that there's so much to watch out there. There's so much content all over the place. Um, and Fargo and this has kind of, Martin Freeman in it. Yeah. And there's- and, and, who I love incredible actor. Uh, and with alien, I just feel like who was somebody clamoring for this and begging for this? Was that needed? Was it really a, a property that people were all over as far as uh, wanting to have at all times? I just, I don't, I don't know if that's really what was happening. I think or both why the alien and predator franchises can be summed up in squandered potential. Yeah, I totally see that. Where the um, creators always see the potential, but rarely find the means to carry through with it. The Predator yeah. has had, I mean, whichever way you lean, I think you could argue for maybe two good films, whether you consider Predator 2 or Predators to be the better of the second films. Uh, but Predator is the only one that's like unanimously loved across the board. Yeah, but you also had Schwarzenegger in there. You got to look at the sequels. You got Danny Glover trying to take on the lead action role. Uh, and Danny Glover is great, but it it wasn't the same as having Schwarzenegger in the role. Um, and I like Danny Glover. And he did. And uh, uh, I believe it's uh, Maria Conchita Alonso was the female lead, kind of opposite him. And um, there, there's a lot of good stuff in Predator too. And then you got Predators, which they tried to, which I, I love. It's a great action movie, um, but they bury Lawrence Fishburne as a as a weird like outcast hermit who's been just trying to survive on the planet and they stick adrian brody as a lead man action star and it was and just correct like, me if what? i'm wrong isn't topher grace in that movie i believe so also not a tough guy uh, <laughs> what are you talking uh, about saw, he's venom the, oh you just... mean eddie brock the <laughs> photographer who um you know what let's just move on to star wars because <laughs> we could do this all day the fact is I, I i just feel like the aliens is is a property they're putting out something that is going to um cater to a very niche small part of the market and you're hoping that that catches on but a horror monster sci-fi series while would be cool could be refreshing if done correct yeah. but you're also looking very small unless it's done perfectly um i just don't know who their audience really is for it as far as like mass audience uh, it could be what potentially um saves or gives a refreshing resurgence to the property we will we will see i'm i'm down to a, i mean at the very least check out the trailer and if the trailer intrigues me maybe uh, give it a few episodes yep. so let's move on to the first of our big news which is star wars nothing but star wars <laughs> there's a All lot right. oh my gosh i i think it's hard to say who won between star wars and marvel in these announcements but i think marvel had more to actually show us than tell us and star wars is a lot of telling we didn't get to see a whole lot but Let's talk about what's probably, I think, the most anticipated for me and you. I don't want to speak for you, but uh, titled Obi-Wan Kenobi, not just Kenobi or the Obi-Wan show. This series takes place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith and will feature not only the return of Ewan McGregor, but also Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader. And I said specifically 
because in the uh, Kathleen Kennedy, when doing the presentation, said Hayden Christensen will be back as Darth Vader. And the reason I make a point of that before we get into it is there's a lot of people talking about, oh, it'll just probably be flashback scenes or this or that. And I was like, they did not say Anakin Skywalker. She said Darth Vader. There is a difference. There's a huge difference. Scott, how um, do we feel? Uh, this is the biggest uh bit of news for all of it the of all the things that uh star wars could be spinning off be doing uh, i wanted this before mandalorian and i love mandalorian oh i wanted, I wanted this, this when they started uh, the, announcing spinoffs when they're like oh I, we're doing rogue one and solo i'm like give me obi-wan <laughs> yeah and uh, i'll be honest i'm glad we're getting a series instead of just a one-off movie um solo i thought was very well done even though it, commercially it was one of the 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 lowest as far as star Wars goes. Um, but it's a great property. Sure. And I'd love, uh, seeing this character develop and the fact that Ewan McGregor is reprising the role. He is the, the brightest, uh, star and the, the, the most potential and the best of all of the prequels is Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, at the end, you are absolutely in love with his character and you grieve for him when he has to basically dismantle his, his best friend, his brother. And, right. and the fact that we also get, I know a lot of people don't like Hayden Christensen. I happen to love Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader and Anakin Somebody Skywalker. Has to. I love him. And I thought, you know, despite some of the writing and device, despite some of the voice cracks in, uh, I, I do have to ask you a quick question. Like Did you use the term dismantle when disarm was sitting there waiting for you? It would have been too easy. Too easy. <sighs> And he was, he was, uh, well, I guess he's more or he's less human than machine now. Um, <laughs> uh, but I love, I just love that they're bringing him back, but I'll be honest. I was really hoping this would be an opportunity to see some of the Darth Maul, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, head off. Now I know we already got a lot of that in the animated series and they don't want to touch on the same exact stuff or because think- then you're looking at making a remake of the animated stuff to put it into a live. Exactly. Action. And I think here's the, um, before I get into Hayden Christensen too much, I think the hard part about that is we have seen the end of Maul's story and the connection between him and Obi-Wan and between the Clone Wars and that scene in Rebels, Darth Maul was searching for Obi-Wan. There was no interaction between the two. So I, I agree it would have been great to see those two live action again, but I understand why that's not really the approach that they can go with. I am, despite not being the biggest fan of uh, the portrayal of Anakin in the um, in the prequels, and that's not all on Hayden Christensen. I think George Lucas did some very weak writing and even weaker directing. I have since seen Hayden Christensen in things where I wouldn't give him an Oscar, but I think he's he's a good actor. Um, yeah, and on- I think that's that's where I fall with Hayden Christensen. Is he's better than what was put on the screen? Yes, that a lot of that falls onto Lucas, the writing, the story, all that stuff. Natalie Portman is an Oscar winning lead actress in it's movies. One of the and yet if you watch Star Wars, <laughs> but that's not on her. She delivered right. the lines as they were given. And um, and then, you know, a lot of what makes a movie is post-production. Mm-hmm. The editing, so much emphasis for Lucas in the prequels was put on visual, stunning, and innovating all these things. He forgot that a, a movie needs a story and a good one. And it had a well, decent think, story, but yeah. it was not, it was not Executed. told in a very good way and it was not put together and the lack of emotion and a lot of the dialogue 
is it's very robotic and it's hard to listen to. And I would say that it's worse on Natalie Portman than it is on Hayden Christensen, but even Hayden Christensen, when he's having some pinnacle moments in Revenge of the Sith, we get voice cracks <laughs> and we get whiny. If you're not with me, you're my enemy. Like, wh- why did your voice go way Lauren, high like a 13-year-old? What happened? Uh, Lauren's favorite <laughs> favorite thing to reference is whenever i say that i'm gonna do something she always looks at me deadpan and goes you will try oh my gosh <laughs> it kills me every time <laughs> oh, that's um, so good we could very easily talk about obi-wan yeah. and hayden christensen all day so i want to leave you with a thought or question because everyone's very excited i understand that i'm really excited to see him back um i have thoughts though we're bringing him back as darth vader which if you want to have his physical presence there, that's understandable. But my question is, are we just bringing him in to A, cover him up or B, occasionally when the helmet's off, see a scarred version of him. And we up until this point really haven't had much Darth Vader that was not James Earl Jones, even as jarring as it was in Revenge of the Sith. The second Hayden Christensen puts on that helmet, it's James Earl Jones's voice, despite it not making sense. So are we going to hear Hayden Christensen's voice coming through that mask? Because to me, it feels off, even though I know that he is Anakin, um, unless they do something to it. I mean, I'm not saying it's not doable, um, but I'm just, I'm interested to see how they carry out with that and what Hayden Christensen appearing as Darth Vader means to both the show and the continuity and just overall um, our headcanon as fans. Is there anything that you'd think on that yeah that's a huge question but in a lot of the comic book canon a lot of the books and everything we see you do see a lot of darth vader with his helmet off especially early on now as he goes through battles and as he becomes more mutated by the machines uh he has to cover himself up more and more and more i think the better thing would be are we going to get uh uh, if we're if we're gonna do that, let's intermix some David Prowse voice in there too. Which uh, shout out <laughs> to David Prowse. He passed away. Uh, not time to uh, laugh, right? no uh, November twenty eighth. David Prowse passed away. Right. Um, and physically, he's the reason Darth Vader was so imposing. And David, Absolutely. I think David Prowse was six foot eight, something like that. Um, just okay. a massive man and a bodybuilder, huge. And then the you Reverend take Lions him. The yeah, the when you hear the audio of him reading the lines and then before it's voiced over, because he thought he was going to be saying the lines in the movies. Uh, and so when he went in and he sat down to watch uh, Star Wars in the theaters and heard James Earl Jones, he was like, what happened? Where'd my voice go? Right. And There's a whole uh, documentary was, about it. Absolutely. And, and But David Prowse is he's not given enough credit for what he did. And if they're doing the same thing to Hayden Christensen that they did to David Prowse, what's the point? So I believe we will have to see some of his face and it, when the helmet's off, maybe you'll get his regular audio mm. or we're going to see, maybe they, they start shifting the voice away from James Earl Jones and we get more of the um, Hayden Christensen voice coming through. Maybe it's more of a, a digitized Hayden Christensen voice, but I, I have to assume they're not going to do a David Prowse to him, especially because Hayden Christensen's a bigger name than david prowse ever was um so i'm 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 very excited but also um i wouldn't say cautiously like optimistic or pessimistic just curious very curious um 
So with with that, let's move on to to the next topic and clip through some of these a little quicker. I, I have no problem spending more time on that one because, like you said, that's probably the biggest thing to come out of Star Wars, but it's not the only thing. Um, right. One yes. last thing: best action sequences, lightsaber duels in live action. Still, Obi Wan versus Darth Vader uh, as uh, as Hayden Christensen on Mustafar. Their lightsaber dueling is the best that Star Wars has ever offered on screen. That that does remind me of something because some people are saying, but wait, um, Obi-Wan never saw Darth Vader between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. There is some interpretable gray area there. Um, and then uh, when Obi-Wan says Darth Vader is now more machine than man or whatever, something along those lines, how does he know that? How does he know exactly what happened to him? I'm just wondering how much more of Darth Vader can Obi-Wan want to cut off before we get to the point of the Empire Strikes Back. He's you know, still got to take how off. much robot he is. He's still got to take off his little Wookiee. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's lines that you can pick and choose uh, throughout the original trilogy that hint at they had another interaction after Revenge of the Sith. When we last met, I was a learner. Now I am the master. All right, uh, moving on to our favorite two boys, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. They are in development of two additional series outside of The Mandalorian. Um, uh, number one being Ahsoka, starring Rosario Dawson. And secondly, Rangers of the New Republic. Both series will be set during the events of Mando and will lead to, as Kathleen Kennedy put it, an exciting crossover culmination event. What do we think about these two series? Uh, Scott, take it away. Uh, this is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, we're expanding the universe that is currently the most beloved in uh, in the Star Wars uh, universe. The Mando is the best thing. You say it all the time. We talked about it uh, yeah. last week with our Ma- uh, Monday Lorian um, that the Ahsoka reveal and her getting her own show. She was fantastic. Rosario Dawson, perfect. And- Tying it in, tying all this animated stuff from Dave Filoni's projects, which we'll talk about again a little bit later with the live action, just in the novels, bringing everything together for Star Wars and having it being accepted by everybody universally. Yes, I think it's one of those things where we're, this is the opportunity to really take the story into new places, uncharted territory, to build something for the future. Um, And it's with characters that are well-received. We have a large, a large gap of time between uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens. And so they can fill all this gap with all this wonderful story and, and, and characters. And Mando's fantastic. We've already seen Ahsoka in Mando, uh, and she was great. It's, right. It is yeah. still the highest rated uh, episode at a 9.6. The next best episode is... Um, is the Boba Fett episode of nine five. So the opportunity to see all these characters carrying forward is so good. So good. And it's, it's fan treatment. What Dave and um, I almost said Dave and Filoni, what Dave and John have done so well is telling new stories, but using uh, familiar imagery and themes. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen that a lot in Mandalorian. And so it, it allows people that are casual fans to get into the Star Wars universe and it rewards people that are diehard fans. Like I consider myself a pretty heavy Star Wars fan, but I'm learning something every episode and I'm being oh, educated by people that were Star Wars fans before I was born. So it's been, it's been quite an adventure and it's been so much fun. And to see them take on um, uh, Ahsoka into live action, I'm very excited to see that. 
but I expected that. I'm not surprised by the Ahsoka show. A lot of people talk about the Jedi episode being a backdoor pilot to that. Um, what is surprising and something we haven't even heard rumblings about is the Rangers of the New Republic. And I am trying to imagine what that could include. Do we have um, oh, Paul Seung Hung Lee, I believe is his name, that plays Carter, uh, one of the uh, New Republic pilots that we keep seeing show up from Kim's Convenience. Is he going to be one of these Rangers? Some people have suggested maybe Cara Dune. However, I believe that she is, even though she's working for the New Republic now, she's a marshal for Navarro. I don't think she necessarily needs to be traveling everywhere. And there's a lot of stuff with Gina Carano um, personally that I, I don't care about seeing more of her than I have to. But that's, I mean, that's another topic. I think maybe it's all new characters. Uh, uh I, th I would lean towards it's all new characters. I, however, the idea of them tying in those um, those pilots uh, who are kind of rebel cops out yeah. there patrolling the universe, um, I think that would be a great tie-in. Um, and you could do a lot of really good stuff. Um, I think essentially we're talking about a, co a space cop movie or, or a series, right? Yeah. And how does that intermix with everybody else? Uh, are they tying with bad Mando? boys? Bad boys. Again, we have all these properties stacking up against the Empire. It's always everybody versus the Empire, um, which is fine. Uh, and I think what's what's really exciting, and a lot of I've seen a lot of articles that have completely slept on this part of the story, is that these three Mandalorian, which is continuing bare minimum one other season, it was confirmed, mm -hmm. and then Ahsoka and the Rangers of the New Republic are all taking place in the same time. And they're all leading towards one big event. Now I can't even begin to imagine. Is that Thrawn? Is it something we don't know about yet? What could this big event be? And is it something that is going to have potential ramifications or um, a little bit of explaining for the sequel trilogy? Because like you said, it's there's such a big time period between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Is this big crossover event going to be something that solidifies um, maybe the rise of the First Order? Again, there's this 30-year gap that we got, right? And they can do whatever they want to fill this void in and, and stretch it out. And one of my my hopes is that as this builds towards one big thing, Thrawn would be absolutely huge. Uh, in the Soka series, are we going to see uh, – we both have this feeling that at some point Mando is going to have to hand off Grogu to be trained, to use his powers for good and not evil. Um, Mando can't do that himself, even as a father. Um, and so the question is, is it Ezra? Is it Ahsoka? Do they bring somebody else in? Um, where's, where's Thrawn? Um, all these. You got some crazy mace theories back there. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that it could potentially be. Yeah. That, and that's my, uh, not understanding or not knowing exactly what their vision for Rangers is really going to be. Uh, we have to lean on what we've already seen and it could be those pilots, but it, you know, thinking that, uh, that it's going to build to one major event. I mean, if they, if done properly, it will easily be the biggest thing. Now, are we talking like, are we, is this a 20 movie buildup to Thanos? You know, that's going to take 10 years. I hope not, but we've already got one or we got, we're, we're going to have two seasons done before we see any more Mando and Mando's season three is supposed to debut Christmas day. 21. Yes. Thank you for picking up on that. I didn't have it in my notes, but that is correct. And with that, okay, so that gives us a year. Well, if they're already working on Ahsoka, 
that means are we going to have Ahsoka in before that, helping fill some of the gap? Are we going to have the Rangers show coming in before that? And something um, we didn't we didn't see, even though we have been heard hearing rumblings of uh, for the last couple of weeks, is supposedly they were looking at doing a Boba Fett show, but we had we didn't hear any announcements about that. However, that seemed to be coming from fairly credible sources. So is that something that they are just withholding for the time being? Uh, that's a very good question. I, maybe it's something they're playing, or perhaps they're just going to use him as a tie-in between these other things. I would um, love uh, for Boba Fett to be the Hulk of the Mandalorian universe. We'll call it the Mandoverse for right now, since everything's spinning off of the Mandalorian. Just like everything on the CW is called the Arrowverse for a long yep. time. You know, this is the Mandoverse. We'll, and I'm sure I'm going to coin that phrase. Watch, give it like a year, and people are going to start saying Mandoverse. Uh, hey, uh, marked. That's, uh, that's right here, trademarked. Um, right. I think that would be a great way to be able to bounce him around uh, and he can play roles in different different places uh, because his his role with Mando is limited. Um, right. He's there to fulfill his the safety of the child. So once they rescue Grogu, he's fulfilled his oath to Mando. So in that case, or is he going to go back? Or do we get a little bit of... Uh, now, granted, Boba stayed on the on Tatooine for this entire gap of time, right? I guess the five years. But do we get to see earlier Boba? Or are they going to bring him back for Kenobi in some fashion? Yeah. And we get to get early early Boba Fett. Um, pre Sarlacc. Yeah, pre Sarlacc. Um, there's those are a lot of good questions. Um, but certainly Boba Fett is one of the better characters, and he and Fennec as a tandem is absolutely dynamic. And so. And I want to bring Finnick up here in a second, uh, moving on to our next topic whenever you're ready. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of, we were talking about John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Uh, Dave Filoni's animated legacy, and I say legacy because he will be involved with, but I don't believe he's actually showrunning this. I'm not sure. But uh, his legacy will continue in The Bad Batch. This show will follow um, the Clone Force 99, a ragtag clone unit that were first introduced in the final season of Clone Wars. And the series takes place as we see in the trailer immediately after the events of Order 66 when Palpatine begins the first galactic empire. I think uh, this will be a really good show as well. Um, again, if there's anybody I'm trusting a show to, uh, it's not Kathleen Kennedy. It's John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Uh, they she are- have seemed less excited in that presentation. And we will have the bad, but I'm sorry. I'm not, I, I do not like spreading hate or negativity. You can't have somebody in charge of something so important or something like Star Wars and the entire universe of Star Wars who doesn't care about Star Can Wars. Can I do a brief compare and contrast? Look at Kevin Feige talk about Marvel and the energy and excitement he brings. Also, the producer of Marvel, like Kathleen Kennedy, is like the overall producer of Lucasfilm. And they talk about Star Wars and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she she presents it as though it's a um uh a burden. Like, oh, here's more crud we're having to deal with because fans Unburden keep loving yourself, it. Then get out of yes, here. For somebody who doesn't like Star Wars or anything that it that it shows, do something else with your free time. Um or you know what? That's fine. She's been in charge and we got Mandalorian, so let her stay in charge of Mandalorian. Uh, stay in charge because if they keep pumping out stuff like that just keep handing it to people like Favreau people like Dave Filoni um, the independent directors of each one of those episodes who've been dynamic uh, those are all great things so uh, as far as uh, Kathleen Kennedy goes I yeah she just seems disinterested in Star Wars as an entire thing so which is weird that she's in charge of it I have seasons and seasons of Clone Wars to get caught up on um, but I 
I've seen trailers for the last season that was on Disney Plus. I've seen a little bit of the Bad Batch stuff. Uh, very excited to look into it. And um, oh, I, I brought up Finnick earlier. Did you watch the Bad Batch trailer? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, did you notice a familiar helmet that we might have seen in Mandalorian? Yes, I did. <laughs> Be interesting it, to see potentially the um, earlier days of um, Finnick. I can't think of the last name. I had it earlier. Finnick Shan, is that right? Yes, I believe that's correct. But it, again, um, I just love the fact that they're doing such a great job of tying these characters between properties and intermixing them. And, and if so you we don't get know, a you're more continuity. Yeah, but we get more continuity to the universe. There's uh, a person's story arc is not just this little thing. It's, oh, here's this person from here. Same thing with Ahsoka. We have all this incredible, incredible story for her. And then we get a little bit of it in Mandalorian. We're going to get some more of it uh, in her own series. Can I? And Fennec, same thing. Can I say something I think even solidifies more that that's likely to be Fennec? Is what episode did we see Fennec introduced in season one? It was Dave Filoni's episode. Correct. So yep. I think yeah, I think he likes to keep it in the family. Uh, do we get Ming-Na Wen back to voice her? I sure hope so, and I don't see why not. Yeah, well, uh, she's she's still a part of the property, and they could easily, if she's going to be there continuing to work on other stuff, having her do voice work would be easy peasy. Right. Um, and then, again, you maintain continuity. All right, so um, that is it for uh, the animated content. Uh, now I need to pause for one second. All right, um, taking a look at what... Uh, release-wise should be our next live-action series in the Star Wars Disney Plus universe, being that they are already on their way filming. And that is the Cassian Andor series, or titled Andor, uh, starring Diego Luna from Star Wars anthology film Rogue One. And uh, his final chapters were seen in Rogue One, but this series will focus on the grit of the rebellion and what it really takes to spark a revolution. Scott, did you happen to watch the behind the scenes video? Uh, yes. The, again, excited for this. Um, I'm always a little less pumped up for things where we know the finale. We know the finish. However, I know the end of Obi-Wan Kenobi's life, say, and but... uh, I'm still uh, absolutely jacked for that. But there's a I big think... gap between Obi-Wan Kenobi, young, middle-aged, and senior citizen Obi-Wan Kenobi, who gives himself up to the Force. Um, and I think it's it's where does your investment lie? I think with Obi-Wan, he's many people's favorite Star Wars character. And yes. I think the purpose mm -hmm. of having an Andor show is not... Hey, is Cassian Andor your favorite episode or your favorite character in the Star Wars universe? It's more so about the rebellion, the birth of the rebellion. Yes. Um, and we saw some of that in Rogue One, but I think the whole point in having this show is here's a character that you know, because we don't know a whole lot of characters in this time period. Here's a character no. that you know, um, other than like Leia, um, being part of the rebellion, which is not, it's not pretty. Starting starting a revolution is uh it's dirty. Ask the French. You know, there's a lot of things um, <laughs> with, you know, spies and espionage. And I think for those elements, and then also the possibility of getting Alan Tudyk back as K2SO, oh I'm looking gosh. forward to a lot of the additional elements, more so than just the idea of seeing more Cassian. I think one of the best things about Rogue One, though, is the fact that Cassian, when Jen Urso is complaining about stuff. Cassian gets upset because he's like, you have no idea what it is to fight a rebellion because he's been doing it. He's Since happened he to was do like the six. Dirt. 
Yeah. And so he's got a lot of backstory that can be filled in, but he's been fighting this battle for a long time. And um, a character who, to be honest, I really didn't like a whole lot at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, this guy's annoying. Yeah. And he, but by the end of the movie and you find out what he he's had to do to go through and live with the rebellion, and what he's willing to sacrifice. Absolutely. All these, all these parts really help build his character and the frustrating part or not frustrating, but one of the, the pluses is at the end, you really do like the character. And when he dies, it's, it's almost bittersweet because you want more of his and Jen Urso's story as they're hugging it out. Um, you know, waiting for the flash of light to just wipe them down. Just and, uh, Judgment Day style. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I, I, I like th- that character grew on me throughout Rogue One. And Rogue One also is sneakily possibly one of the best. It's a top three Star Wars property across the board. Oh, I Maybe agree. If not top three, it's definitely up there in the upper half. It's really good. It's better um, than and- some whole trilogies. Absolutely. And one of the cool things I love about that movie is the the non-ticker at the start. It shows you the, uh, uh, or I guess it doesn't come in with the movies. You see the stars and then it just pans down to the planet. And you're like, wait a minute. Everyone literally was waiting for the the, the bump of bomb. I think there's an audible and it didn't happen. We all watching. sat there and was like, what just happened? We, it <laughs> felt like a, a weird cold open to a movie. And we were everyone just went, well, this is strange. But it separated it from the other Star Wars movies. Uh, especially because it's not part of trilogies. It's not part of a, a preset series. But man, that movie is good. And the, so good. the double feature sit down of Rogue One and New Hope is just so good. Um, the only problem is Darth Vader in uh, Rogue One is way more intense than Darth Vader in... Ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is the best. When he literally pins the guy to the ceiling, cuts him in half, and then drops him, and he grabs all the, the blasters Gun. and yanks them past him, he... He shows some some skills there that are so awesome. Plus, we see him in the chamber floating up. But again, we're getting off <laughs> onto a tangent. Uh, that movie has so much good for it. And to be able to go back and, and see more of that character. And uh, what's cool is with that character, we might be able to see more Darth Vader. Yeah, I love the budget that we... And I think they've said that Mod Mothma is returning as well, who we saw briefly in Rogue One. But I, I love that somehow the budget, at least from the behind the scenes, looks like it's even more than Mandalorian. But I love seeing all the practical effects, whether it be with vehicles, creature designs. Um, you know, we have yet to see some of the special effects, really. But I, well, I think I really, as far I, as fans go, practical, the combination of practical plus digital effects makes the movie much more Star Wars-ish. That's what made um, the original trilogy so good. That and that's what detracted a lot of people from the prequels is it was all digitized. Uh, Yoda did not move or feel like a uh, a puppet. He moved and felt like a normal person. And what gave him some of his um, gave it, part of who he was was his awkward puppetish movements. And when they tried to smooth that out and take it out, you didn't have the same character left there anymore. And so the practical effect makes a difference in the Star Wars universe. And it appears as though we're going to get a good dose of practical mixed with um, the digital. And I think that's where people will fall in love with even Mando is that combination. Um, I'm really looking, looking forward to that. Uh, And more so just what it means to the star Wars universe. Um, And speaking of things that mean um, are important to the star Wars universe and things that have yet to be explored very much. 
The Acolyte is a new Star Wars series helmed by Russian doll creator Leslie Headland and is set in the High Republic area era, which is recently introduced in some of the canon novels. Um, I think it's there, I think a lot of Star Wars is going to start going this way and exploring the High Republic. And I believe the High Republic is kind of a hybrid of thoughts and ideas because in old legends we had um, Knights of the Old Republic and stuff like that. And this is hundreds of years ago, not thousands of years ago. So they have said in the books, Yoda makes appearances, a much younger Yoda. Uh, so potentially we could see him show up maybe in the show. But anyways, uh, this is will the series will focus on the dark side of the force and the Sith gaining power. Uh, there's not a whole lot uh, much else that is known, but the Acolyte, um, notice it's not called the Padawan because uh, these, are, these are dark side users. And I think there's a lot of really fun, interesting uh, questions and ideas that could be explored with a dark side focused show. Uh, Scott, are you excited for this? Yeah. Um, one of my, some of my favorite now non-canon books from the Star Wars universe are about the Sith. Um, uh, one of my favorite uh, books, I believe is called uh, The Red Dawn. And it's basically uh, a Sith having, to, like there's a, <laughs> it's literally zombie Sith. It's weird. Um, but it's such a good book and it tells a lot of backstories about Sith temple, Sith training and all this stuff they go through. And that's something that I love. Here's that a I'm glad they're going to expand on. How old is Darth Plagueis? Wasn't he close to a mortal? Who knows? Right. So <laughs> can Darth Plagueis appear in the Acolyte? The better thing is to know when Darth Plagueis died and then you can do everything pre that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, we um, well, know, we know took that him out. Palpatine, yeah, we know Palpatine took him out, but yeah, it, yeah, he taught Palpatine. Uh, but Palpatine obviously learned something because he's been able to maintain staying alive very, very, very long. Well beyond his before. time. All right. Um, so moving on, uh, also announced is a droid story. It's a story about 3PO and R2. Yep, moving on. Anything to say about that? <laughs> uh, again, this falls under the category of things I didn't need from Star Wars. And they. I think the people who are in charge think that this will be fan treatment. CPO or uh, 3C, 3PO and R2-D2. That's true, are, go, Scott. <laughs> dear goodness. 3PO and R2-D2 are support characters. They're not lead characters. And to build a story around those two... Also, we've seen their arc, okay? We know where they started, and we know basically where they ended. And granted, they're still alive, but where are you going to fill this in? It, it wasn't necessary. We've got enough of them, and we have enough character development. Uh, development. Are we bringing back oh, is this first a Anthony Daniels. Anthony Daniels. I was say, wanted to say Andy. Anthony Daniels for 3PO. Like, how long can this guy continue to play that role? Um, and he is the definitive C-3PO. So Always. Like, there's, like... As far as I know, never been another person to voice 3PO in anything. Correct. And animated so, or otherwise. That, to me, it feels like uh, your statement right at the very beginning, and I don't know why we're still talking about it, was, okay, moving on. Yeah, <laughs> it was not something I necessary. Tried. Scott, I it, tried. <laughs> yeah. But I felt like it had to be said again that this is not anything Dad, anybody was Dad, asking for. Um, not something we needed. So right. I'll, I'll move on from a droid story. And me and Scott frequently talk about... Uh, Solo and how much we enjoyed it and we would like to see a sequel or somehow Solo be continued on Disney Plus or theatrically or otherwise. Well, we're kind of getting a sequel to Solo and that is Lando is getting his very own, they're calling it an event series. And when I hear event series, to me, that is a, another way of saying a limited series, a one and done, a like six episode, here's the story, which I believe uh, Obi-Wan is also gonna be an event series, not an ongoing one. 
Um, but the series will be ran by Justin. I want to say it's pronounced Simon Simeon. Uh, I think made, Simeon, but made famous from uh, Dear White People, which isn't something I have seen, but I've heard good things about. Um, we do not have confirmation on the timeline or who may be playing the role, but I'm sure we would love to see Donald Glover return to, as the galaxy's most charming scoundrel. Uh, Scott, are you looking forward to this? Do you hope it's Donald Glover? Do you hope Billy D makes an appearance? What are your thoughts? I shook my head. <laughs> I don't. This falls also into the category of things I didn't feel like I needed. Okay. Um, it's One of my big detractors for Solo was that I felt like and again, um, I didn't feel like uh, Aaron Einreichersen, whatever his last name uh, is. Alden Ehrenreich, you're so close. Alden Ehrenreich uh, was was bad as Han Solo, but it didn't feel like it felt like he was playing Han Solo, but not trying to mimic uh, Harrison Ford. If that makes sense, yeah. I felt like Donald Glover was mimicking Billy D. Williams. There's a lot of spots where he was even doing the voice of Billy D. Williams, trying to really smooth, throw that smoothness in. And it worked in the movie. But if they're going to do that, give me Donald Glover. Don't give me Donald Glover playing Billy D. Williams. Okay. Um, that's That was my frustration with I it. Think- and, and it. And also this character, again, he's more of a tie-in with other guys in the story. It's not really a solo standalone. Now, am I glad they're trying to give him something? I'm glad they're putting out properties. But I just, it, it wouldn't have been something I would have knocked on the door and said, give me this. This is kind of how I felt about when they first announced the anthology series. They're like, we're going to tell stories that aren't episodic. And everyone's like, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, give us Obi-Wan. And they're like, did you want Solo and Rogue One? We're like, no, that's not what we asked for, but fine. And then I think a lot of people that watch Solo really enjoyed it. And so they're like, give us a Solo sequel. Give us a Solo sequel. And they're like, are you asking for Lando? And we're like, no <laughs> you know so it's just like i feel like they're they're so close to the point and they just miss it every time now does that mean i don't want to see more lando absolutely not that's not what i'm saying but do i think i need to watch a whole series with lando in it i don't i'd love to see him pop up in other things but i don't i don't need to watch also that being said I, i'm going to watch it absolutely my <laughs> my thought on this one is i didn't want solo either <laughs> and I love the movie. I don't want Lando. I'm sure I'll love it. But yeah, it's it's one more of those things that I'm just like, eh, okay, sure, why not? I mean, it, again, it's not about what they're making. It's about the quality of what they make. And if what they put out is top shelf, I'll take it. Um, but again, I want Donald Glover playing the smooth, suave guy, but not trying to mimic Billy D. Williams. And I think we will be forced to see more of the unique individuality of Donald Glover if it's over the course of several episodes and not so much um, a contained thing like Solo was. All right, wrapping up our conversation of Lando and moving on to, um, I'd say maybe the second biggest announcement from Star Wars, I think in my opinion, and that is that Patty, middle name freaking Jenkins, is directing Rogue Squadron. And there's a lot of video game fans that are just squealing right now because of uh, popularity of the Rogue Squadron games. And there's also been novels based around Rogue Squadron. Just good old-fashioned X-Wing pilots doing their thing. And I think we've, like Rogue One, have loved the boots-on-the-ground approach to Star Wars. Um, this film is said to be set after the events of Rise of Skywalker and will mark our first foray into the future of Star Wars, unless you count the Lego Holiday Special, which... 
I do not. <laughs> I don't think anybody's really counting. I mean, maybe Disney sees it as canon, but that shouldn't affect anything. <laughs> um, uh, the the great thing about this is the intro video yes, of her on the rollerblades talk about her father as a fighter pilot. I don't think you could have picked somebody better to to move forward into the future of Star Wars, especially with a a fighter pilot movie uh, than Patty Jenkins. And not only that, she's she's been outstanding in everything she's made. Uh, she really is a, an incredible director. It's not a long track record, but it is an impressive one. Yeah. Because like out of the gate, pretty much you had Monster, which if it didn't win an Academy Award, I know for a fact it was nominated. Uh, that's the one with Charlize Theron. Yes. Uh, it did not win the Best Picture, but it did win Best Actress. Mm, okay. Charlize Theron won the Oscar for Best Actress in that movie. And then, um, then she kind of like disappeared for a decade. And I think she said she tried to get work, but nobody would give it to her. Which, like, what are you doing, Hollywood? Uh, and then finally, she gets Wonder Woman um, and Wonder Woman eighty four. And I am excited to, I mean, I'd love to see her. I mean, I haven't seen the second Wonder Woman, obviously, but I'd love to see her stick with the comic book properties. But it's also very, I think, healthy for directors to leave a franchise before they get burnt out, Sam Raimi and uh, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm excited to see her jump um, into something else. I think some people would like to see her leave uh, genre titles, but I think a Rogue Squadron movie would be refreshing both for patty and for the star wars universe it's something different like if they said they were going to extend the star wars universe by going with another like what's ray's future oh, like the problem is she's she's had a trilogy yes a lot of people want to know what happens next for her but if we just continue on this next path like how we're just continuing the luke skywalker pro or the anakin skywalker story it's just going forward with with Ray, and this gives us a fresh take on the universe. That's something that's not heavily weighted by Jedi. And I think the message has been received fairly clearly is that we, as a fan base, for the most part, are ready to move on from the Skywalker saga. And anything Ryan Johnston makes, boom, got it into another episode. Um, but <laughs> the great thing is, she has no expectations right now to throw out the window. So, the, and I think creatively uh for directors that are creative forces like patty jenkins is i think that's the best thing to do like with wonder woman they're like hey this movie is going to exist in this dc universe that we are creating but you know if you want to throw in a mention of bruce wayne at the beginning that's really all that we're asking like you know other than that make your wonder woman movie and i think with 84 from everything i've seen it's been even more so like just do your movie patty and for the overall DC universe, sometimes it's not great because there's a lack of uh, cohesion or um, continuity. Con yeah, continuity and connectivity. But uh, for the movies individually, uh, I think it's great. Uh, look at James Wan and Aquaman. But uh, moving moving forward, I, I'm also I'm really excited for it, and I would love to see um, something more in line with Rogue One as far as a more serious, uh, realistic's not the right word, but just um, Star Wars movies that have some grit sometimes lean away from the fantastical like i think mandalorian we're starting to get into the fantastical bit more but it just started out as a western bounty hunter show and it i think that's some of the times when it works the best mm -hmm. uh, i have a feeling we're gonna see some of that in the the finale but we've already covered that in another podcast um the the key for me with this will be what's it going to build towards in the future so we we earlier 
talked about the the new properties <clears throat> with Ahsoka and the uh, Rangers that are going to tie in with Mandalorian to build to one major thing. Well, right. with this Rogue Squadron movie, are we laying the foundation for a bunch of movies that will build toward something? And then what is that? What is the future long term? Does anybody at Disney or at, sorry, at Lucas have a 10 year vision for where we want to get that everything can work towards? And somebody brought up, which I think would be really cool, is you know who's still alive during this time period that would fit into a Rogue Squadron movie? Wedge and Hillary's. Oh, Wedge. Or Poe Dameron. (laughs) There's a bunch. uh, seeing Poe Dameron come in afterwards, you can continue some of those star- stories. Now, did they give a timeline for how far after Rise of Skywalker that they uh, did? They Squadron? just said that this would be set in the future after the events of Rise of Skywalker. See, the great thing about that is you have so much room to play with. You could do who, literally anything. Who are they fighting? What is so the First Order has fallen? Is there are we doing remnants of the Empire again? Is there a new threat? what are the space cops policing like i think there's a lot of interesting things um what is the new star war uh yeah i'm fascinated to to find out well anytime you have a breakdown of power and certain people in charge vacuums well what happens is somebody is going to start to step up and want to take control and want to take power it inevitably happens, no matter with any society or anything. Someone will come in and want to fill the role of being in charge and and grabbing as much power as they can. And so, again, they have essentially with uh, they've given her Patty Jenkins a blank slate to say, okay. And granted, I'm sure there's people advising in this, but they have this blank canvas to say you can create anything forward that you want. And I'm glad they gave it to somebody who, who I think has the creative mind to be able to do that. Shoot. She went back in the past with Wonder Woman was able to create a, yeah. And able to still have that work continuity wise with the future. So. All right. Deep breath. We are done with star Wars. Thank you. We are (laughs) got a whole adventure ahead of us. Marvel contents. done with star wars thank you we are (laughs) got a whole adventure ahead of us marvel content scott it has been 529 days i did the math since we saw spider-man far from home which was our last piece of marvel content the thirst is just so very very real uh and disney is hoping to subdue our appetite with an avalanche of huge announcements let's just try to get through these now, we, um, we were supposed to have already had Black Widow in this gap. We were supposed to have, by now, we should have watched Black Widow. Um, Eternals would have been last month. And we would have watched all of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I think also WandaVision at this point. Instead, none of it. Which surprised me because Falcon and Winter Soldier as well as WandaVision could have easily still gone to streaming. Unless there's something in Black Widow that needs to be out pre well, that's what a lot of people are saying, and it has been confirmed recently that Yelena Volovich will be appearing in Falcon and Winter Soldier and also the Hawkeye show played by Florence Pugh. Um, Which, okay, then that makes sense why they would hold them. At, at some point, you bite the bullet and you push it out. Right. 
And Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to come out before WandaVision, but now we're getting WandaVision January 15th. Um, I think they were, even though they started a little while after Falcon and Winter Soldier because of the pandemic, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier being a little bit of a, um, what do you call it, globetrotting uh, project and not so much on like one location, they had to start and stop several times. And so eventually WandaVision got ahead of them and that's why we are getting it first. But speaking of those shows, uh, the first thing I want to talk about is trailers for several of them. Our first real look at Loki, our second trailer for WandaVision, we've got a good look at What If and also Falcon and Winter Soldier. So instead of just going piece by piece with all of these, let's talk highlights. What stood out to you? What's your favorite moments or trailers? Uh, Owen Wilson with a greasy mustache in the Loki trailer. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what I needed in my life, but after watching that trailer, 100% it is. Once you, once you see it, you're like, oh, all right, I'm in. <laughs> and I, that, and it, I, we've talked about this. I, I didn't really want a Loki show either because we know the end of the Loki story. Um, that and the character has had a lot of screen time, a lot. Um, yeah, you, me, and Tyler the tra- talked about that in our last um, news coverage. But the trailer made me want to experience more of figure marvel takes an idea that nobody asked for and makes us want it guardians of the galaxy is that's the number exactly one. Like, the point that i was point. gonna make yep a, a property that everyone went, why would you do this when there's all this other stuff and then everyone gets Guardians of the galaxy and is like now i know why and now th- then the problem is then everyone's like well do every other obscure random thing uh, right. eternals anyway where's where's <laughs> hit monkey where's howard the duck and it's like well he's in guardians uh I, I think Loki, and if you would have asked me before watching the trailers, what's your most anticipated, I would have said Falcon and Winter Soldier. But ironically, after watching all the trailers, that's the one that blew me away the least. And I say the least, it doesn't mean I wasn't blown away. It's just, the, it, it didn't show me, it, it showed me the least I felt. Um, WandaVision, obviously, it's getting more into the obscurity of it. Uh, seeing the time travel elements of Loki seems like just so much fun. And I, I didn't know how much uh, seeing Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston together, how much fun that would be. And I, I am sometimes uneducated when it comes to real world things. So I had to go to the comments to find out that there's a clear hint that Loki is D.B. Cooper, one of the mysteries of uh, our, our world. Uh, did oh you pick goodness. up on that on the first I did. I did not. So I'm going to go back and rewatch it again with it's that. It's a couple things. Playing. At the end, when they show him with the shorter haircut and he's wearing the sunglasses, and if you look up D.B. Cooper on like Google oh, Images, it's... I'm big into the D.B. Cooper uh, it's mystery. 100%. You see when he when he jumps out of the plane and he gets sucked up by like the Bifrost, you see the papers flying everywhere that were left by D.B. Cooper. So oh. I think that is... That's really cool. Um, and then like the last shot being that, you know, it's like vote for Loki and we get like presidential Loki. <laughs> it's 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 just got so much good stuff intermixed with it um and again that one is one that made me feel like this is something i would want to watch more after seeing the trailer uh wandavision i love the the cut cut cut-ins of the old sitcom feel like i love lucy type stuff um there's a lot of cool things with uh that one Uh, i'm with you falcon winter soldier was the one at the end i was like okay like uh quit quit giving me all this um sebastian stan as the winter soldier give me sebastian stan as luke skywalker but anyways, <laughs> um, uh the uh yeah I, I just 
I, I felt the same. I think I was I was least blown away by Falcon Winter Soldier, um, and I would put it Loki surprised me and made me want to see it the most. I really want to see WandaVision because I also love. Um, uh, oh, why did I just lose his name? Uh, Vision, the actor Paul Bettany. Uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is such a great actor. Um, I'm looking forward to that show, and and then. Uh, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier, it's a buddy cop. So I think type thing. So the, what, what Loki and WandaVision both have going for them is crazy visuals. And both of them are very high concept. One's time travel, one's reality bending. So they, they trailer better. You know what I mean? Um, when you're just showing snippets of them, I think it builds a lot more excitement and anticipation. Whereas Falcon Winter Soldier, from a surface level, level like tip of the iceberg view, like you said, it's a buddy cop action thing. And I'm sure we're going to get so much more when we actually dive into the show, but there's not much that you can give us trailer-wise for that show. So I understand why visually, when we're just being stimulated, that's the one that's the least stimulating. And the two things I wanted to see the most were more Baron Zemo and what he's up to. Uh, I want to see the mask and what his uh, purpose is. And also, um, oh, something Walker. I'm forgetting the name of the US agent that takes up the mantle of Captain America and his shield. I want to know what that story is, but neither of those things we saw in the first trailer, which is understandable. It was our first look. Yeah. Again, uh, easy. Like you said, it's easy to put together a really exciting trailer when you're pulling from all over the map. Uh, and you've got snippets from everything that just confuse the trailer and make it seem like, what's this, what's this, what's this. And you get to put it all together. It is what it is. I, I'm sure all three shows will be good. They put the time and energy and effort into them. I doubt that Marvel would just pump something out for the sake of pumping it out. They only put quality product. Uh, matter of fact, I wrote that down in one of the notes on the whole Disney reveal was uh, quality, not quantity, right? What, and, what cracks me up about that is their quality, not quantity. Here's 50 shows. Okay, so yeah, quality over quantity. The, I think one of the big teasers with this is that the uh, or the idea is it's 10-year window versus um, – you know, everything they told us, it was a lot, but it was stretched out. So this isn't everything we're getting next year. It's, it's for a while. I, so as from what I understand from the presentation, I believe it's over the next three years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> now I guess granted you're doing a lot of star Wars and a lot of Marvel. Right. They said that their goal, I believe, I don't remember if they included Disney proper stuff in this too, but I believe series wise, they want you to have a piece of original content from either Marvel, Star Wars, or like Pixar or something dropping every week. So they want to fill out the entire calendar. And if you're doing 30, 40 minute episodes, that's pretty consumable in my opinion. Like a lot of people are like, oh, this is too much stuff to watch. I'm like, not if they keep their model of episodic. Yeah. And one, one episode a week is easy to keep up on. Well, let's say, let's say worst case scenario, those two or three shows that you're watching, right? It's an half hour, hour half. shows. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's not crazy by any means, especially because now you can take it on the go. You can right. watch the episode from work, from wherever you're at. You can you can easily digest all the material. And just for your update, you are coming in clear again. So okay, perfect. All right, so um, now we can we can move on to uh, um, other other show news. Um, and I think we're excited for all all. Oh oh, you know what we we did not talk about what if. I'm sorry, we gotta go back to what if really quick because I thought that looked fascinating. The an, the animation a little bit like. Clone Wars is kind of off-putting at first, but I think the storytelling is going to be there. The voice work is the stars that we have from the MCU, Chris Evans, Sam Jackson, Benedict Cumberbatch. So what in the What If trailer really stuck out to you, whether it be um, certain moments or the potential for different takes on characters in the trailer? 
Uh, well, I love the um, Agent Carter taking on the uh, Captain Britain, basically, right. yeah. uh, role was pretty cool. Um, uh, there's two different snapshots that I really like, and it, it almost plays to the multiverse of Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And then on the subway, almost like uh, in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, there's a moment when he's on the inside of the train going through the, the vortex of the multiverse. And there's a moment where it's like that, but it's um, winter soldier versus zombie cap. Yeah. Marvel and, zombies. That's a, that's a big pull. Yeah. The, the zombie cap in that moment was one of those things I was like, Ooh, okay. And you get to see uh winter soldier, Bucky catch the shield and then throw it back at him. But uh, on top of that, uh, the the voices that you get to catch everybody. There's even a quick snippet of Chadwick Boseman um, right. audio. The last thing, it was like one last things he did. Yeah, and uh, so it's yeah. There's lots of little bits all over it, and I thought uh, the big thing for me would have been Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange, Zombie Cap, and then Agent Carter as uh, Captain Britain. Which... I mean, all really. My favorite moment actually was, I mean, you briefly brought up Chadwick Boseman, but out of all those scenarios, the idea of a young T'Challa being picked up by Yondu and the Ravengers and taken out into space to become that universe's Star-Lord uh, is what captivates me the most. Uh, these seem like they'll be, it's fluff. I mean, it's, it's Marvel fluff, certainly, with no real substance to it, but man, wouldn't it be fun? And these are all little one-off single episode adventures and I'm looking forward to uh, taking a look at them when they come out. So um, other than the what if, we also got our first look at Miss Marvel starring, and I'm sorry, I'm probably gonna mispronounce the name, uh, Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan and Kamala is also now set up to appear in Captain Marvel 2. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first look at Kamala Khan and the announcement that she will be in Captain Marvel? It makes sense. Yeah. So the the announcement of the um, the Miss Marvel, I think it's a good casting. I'm. I mean, obviously, know, none of us are familiar with her work because she's yeah. it's a fresh face. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Uh, I'm also for any strong, positive female lead role models, and not just leads, but like overall diversity with um, having oh. a, a Pakistani character. Absolutely. The fact that they're they're not just pigeonholing us the same stuff over and over again. And having a daughter, uh, matter of fact, she climbed up with me, um, having a daughter and wanting to see strong female representatives um, is is huge, you know, and um, and it's not that we need to do that to every one of the characters or everything, but it's good to have that diversity and uh, to change it up so that we're not getting spoon fed the same kind of carbon copy of hey here's your standard uh uh 30 year old white guy playing the superhero and to add to that point um it's a generational of um female representation because we have both carol and kamala taking on the marvel mantle oh absolutely which and is uh, which is phenomenal. awesome and and uh captain marvel was one of the um best received marvel movies that we've had for quite some time <laughs> and I think adding adding to that, um, it's all right. Disney Disney's a fam family property. Uh, adding adding to uh, kind of the strength of the female representation is we also have, uh, I mean, one of those things that falls under the worst kept secrets in the business. But uh, official confirmation from Disney that Tatiana Mulani 
Mislani? Is it Mislani? I think I might have that might have been a typo on my part. But it's cast as She-Hulk and Haley Steinfeld is officially Kate Bishop. But I mean, we've been seeing set photos of her on Hawkeye for like the last couple of weeks. So yeah, big surprise. Um, I think great casting on both sides of that, but it's nice to get official confirmations. Do you have any additional thoughts on just their casting? Uh, no, not really. I, I think the Kate Bishop one is is a great great casting uh, spot yeah and um, again it's easy to nitpick these things from a distance but marvel produces it's always quality stuff and um you know to sit to sit in the back row and and say oh i wouldn't i would have picked somebody different i would have done this different yeah don't Uh, be a backseat driver (laughs) yeah disney marvel they do a great job of picking people with a lot further um uh, kind of foresight than most people do. And, uh, you know, you can, the number of people and characters that people have hated the casting that turned out to be amazing is pretty long. Um, uh, and as long as the product that hits the screen is of quality, then all is forgiven. And so I think the castings that they've done are great. And it also provides a future beyond the characters that we've known for the last decade. Uh, And an interesting point that was made during the presentation is that they said that She-Hulk would be about a, um, a lawyer trying to be taken seriously who also happens to be green and six foot seven. I was like, well, Tatiana is not six foot seven. So very interested to see what kind of either motion capture or was it forced perspective like they do in the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings films, what kind of tactics they might use uh, for that show. Yeah, uh, forced perspective is one of those things. It's just uh, good camera work can do work miracles. Uh, putting people in, um, uh kind of insert platform shoes stuff there, there's all kinds of practical effect things you can do with camera angles lighting look um, at tom hardy and bane um yeah. christian bale's bigger than tom hardy up until they get into a fist fight and then you right. realize oh wait tom hardy's tiny right. and suddenly the seven foot tall bane is smaller than the six foot three batman emphasis on good camera work Yes, um, the only and, place the, the fist fight worked is when they were still going up the steps. Right. And Tom Hardy was above Batman. But once on level footing, it's like, well, this doesn't work at all. And, um, uh, especially because every other angle they shoot Bane, they make him seem nine feet tall. Um, I know that's an exaggeration. But they really do work the angles to make him seem giant, and then it doesn't happen. And on the topic of She-Hulk, um, they also confirmed that not only, I mean, it was much speculated that Mark Ruffalo would be returning to She-Hulk as Bruce Banner, he's the reason she is She-Hulk. It's his his blood, you know, and stuff like that. So that, uh, that makes sense. But in addition to that, we get the return of Tim Roth's Abomination. Now, um, aside from uh, Thunderbolt Ross, who returned from the Incredible Hulk movie, we haven't seen a lot of overlapping uh, themes and ideas from the Incredible Hulk film that have tied into the rest of the MCU. Are you excited to see um, both Banner and Abomination? I'm pumped for that, uh, especially because uh, we've never really gotten enough banner. Uh, we've never gotten enough of the uh, of Hulk on screen. Uh, the, what we get is always like uh, enough to leave you wanting more, which is normal. They always tease you with wanting more, um, but with the uh, with this, the hope is that we'll get a decent chunk, at least something more. 
Um, but as far as Tim Roth and the abomination, oh, I happen to love the Ed Norton Hulk, Incredible Hulk. Uh, that one was really good. And I was disappointed that Edward Norton didn't want to carry forward. Uh, however, Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk now. Uh, right. What's interesting none. to me is, I mean, they said Bruce Banner, but like, I would assume because this, this would be after Endgame because She-Hulk obviously hasn't been around. Uh, He's already more emerged unless we're going yeah. alternate timeline. That's what it should, oh, it should it should be Professor Hulk unless after taking his injury and stuff to his arm he reverted back and found like a way to like cure the Hulk. I don't I don't know. I, it's another one of those things where I'm I'm not pessimistic about it. I'm just more curious. Um, so we'll try to, we'll try to bump through uh, some of the rest of these. Um, I will just read off these new shows that they have coming out and you tell me what pops off to you. Sound good? All right, I am Groot. Vin Diesel returns as baby Groot for a series of short films starring everyone's favorite talking twig. And that to me is on line with Droid Story. I, I didn't ask for this. It's for a different audience. If I'm bored, maybe I'll watch it. The difference with this is these are short stories. I think they can do really well with doing little snippet short movie uh, tiny things. Um, but the idea that I didn't, I, we don't need a full series of these, but small little bits cool those could be fun my my fear when i first heard it was like how are you going to make this into something um you can only have so much a baby group beating up humans you know actually you can't have enough of that but i was about to say <laughs> where's where's the cutoff point let me yeah, know where it's at i just don't i didn't it wasn't something i was asking for um if anything just give me guardians of the galaxy three already you know well, it, um and branch it out there or get me group <laughs> branch in it with, out branch, boom, branch. Boom. yeah <laughs> so the uh uh, yeah, it it is what it is, but I'm, but I'm glad they're doing a, a shorter. They're intentionally making that a short series. Um, and then we have uh, two series that are, I'm sure, closely tied together, and that is Ironheart, which has already been cast with Dominique Thorne. Not overly familiar with her work, but she will be the engineering prodigy, Riri, Riri Williams, who is from, uh, again, more recent Marvel Comics. Uh, kind of in the vein of Miss Marvel, somebody to take up the mantle. Obviously, she is not Iron Man, and Iron Woman sounds stupid, so it is Ironheart, which I think is a cool name, cool character, and some people were speculating that this would be the type of role that Shuri, with all her tech savviness, would be taking up, so it's cool that they're actually bringing in Riri Williams, and also Armor Wars, starring Don Cheadle, once again as James Rhodes or War Machine. The series will examine what happens when Tony's fear of his tech getting in the wrong hands, which seems to be a very consistent theme throughout the movies, becomes a reality. How does his legacy move on uh, once he is gone? Something that we are exploring in the MCU on a frequent basis. Uh, what are your thoughts on the more Iron Man-centric series? Uh, I'm more excited about Iron Heart than I'm about Armor Wars, um, mostly because I think that's that's been expressed Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, Iron uh, Man, uh, Iron Man uh, they also express, uh, or with Age Ultron, Ultron yeah, Age yeah. of Ultron, the, the uh, Iron Sentinels that were out there, they've they've touched on this storyline a lot. The horse uh, now is that dead. Iron Man's dead, um, now it's a free-for-all. However, if they're going to go forward with Iron Heart, isn't that addressing it? And how is Don Cheadle or Rhodey going to help address this other than the fact that he's War Machine? So I, again, I, I think I was past that character and moving past that kind of storyline of, of how they're going to handle his, his tech getting out to everybody. Um, but, you know, 
as long as the product that hits the screen is good, that's the important thing. Uh, but I'm more excited about the fact that they did not go with Iron Woman or Iron Girl or any of that stuff. They went Iron Heart. Uh, and they're carrying forward that legacy of Iron Man in a new way. Um, that me, is more exciting than Iron or than Armor Wars. Let me ask you a question really quick, because I, I reflect your sentiments on both of these pretty much 100%. What yes. do you think are the chances that we see Pepper Potts as rescue in either or both of these series? I'm sorry. I apologize. What was no, the no, no. Uh, the question was, um, I because I, I agree with your sentiments, what do you think are the chances that we see Pepper Potts or Rescue in either of these series or potentially both of them? I think you would see it in the Iron Heart series more than... Ready for moving. Yes. Than the Iron... Sorry, my son was trying to pick a show. Uh, I think uh, seeing Rescue in the Iron Heart as a female mentor, and she also understands his tech, understands the legacy that he really wanted to leave, Pepper is aware of. And so I think that's a... a a more likely scenario for um, getting rescue in there. You could see her as a an older female mentor role to help the character along and develop and to take on the mantle of being uh, uh, Ironheart versus seeing her show up to help Rhodey fight battles. One of my hopes. One of my hopes for um, Ironheart is that it could maybe indirectly take some of the weight off of Peter's shoulders because I feel like the Spider-Man movies have very much been um, how he lives in Tony's shadow and being Iron Man Jr. And I'm ready for Spider-Man to be Spider-Man and be his own character. So having us have these like subsidiaries of Iron Man spinoff shows, I think lets um, his uniqueness kind of shine through and he doesn't have to be little Tony anymore. Uh, correct and maybe they're not related but i just that's that's my thought going into this like i hope it doesn't mean that we're still getting iron spider movies and two iron man spinoff shows like we need to move forward i don't mind tom holland and spider-man using tony's tech like the glasses Mm. uh to be able to see what's real and everything and that all illusions are down at the end of edith um, edith Uh, the I, I, I'm fine with those. Uh, and I'm fine with him using some of Tony's tech that's helped improve his suit, all kinds of other things. But I don't want to, I'm with you. I don't need to see the Iron Spider. If it's a, if it's a, a weapon he has in his arsenal that he can uh, fall on, sure. But is it something he needs to be? No. And being able to, for that character, be able to pick up other things is, is huge. It means that it's not, um, he's not stuck trying to be the next Iron Man. He can be Spider-Man. Um, so I want to go into like the last bit of series news. Um, did you, are you still talking? Cause it, it's, I don't hear sound. Oh, it's just no, the video, video lagged and it just oh. caught up. Okay. That was yeah, frightening to watch. It was like the character from the ring <laughs> the video lagged and then caught up in like super fast forward. Yikes. Okay. So secret um, invasion but, is what I want to talk about real quick. Um, and it's one of the okay. biggest comic crossovers in recent years. It's being adapted to the small screen. Uh, there was rumblings of a Nick Fury uh, show, and that is apparently what this is going to be. It's starring Sam Jackson's Nick Fury and also Ben Mendelsohn's Talos, or Talos, I forgot how to pronounce it, from Captain Marvel. Um, the series will explore the scroll invasion on Earth and ask the question, who can you trust? Now, originally people thought that this would be the storyline for the second Captain Marvel, 
my thoughts are that it is likely to tie in very heavily with the second Captain Marvel. So what do you think about Secret Invasion and are you looking forward to that being explored on Disney Plus? No. <laughs> uh again it's another property that they're pushing stuff out and i get it it's expanding and it, it's there are people who want these storylines um but it's i think secret invasion has, survives with or without it i think secret invasion has really large ramifications um it definitely did in the comics but with the movies as well when you are gonna have to ask the question in what i seeing on screen the character that I know, or is it a scroll? And if it lasts past the show and we start seeing it in the films and some of the other properties, I think that it could, uh, could be worth it to at least, at least watch it and see what happens. Yeah. I, but again, I think that that could be easily intermixed in the movies, but having a show to maybe set the precedent. So that will play a role in phase seven or whatever they're going to be in by that point. Um, we got to get to the super scrolls, the fantastic forward things, right? Yeah. Oh, dear goodness. There's that's the thing is they've they've announced so many things like it's it's going to be hard to keep track of every one of these properties. But Marvel does do their best to keep continuity to where these sideshows make sense with the main storyline arc. Um, and perhaps this will be a way to introduce how we get to the next to Galactus or whoever the next major villain is going to be for the MCU. Could be Kang, which we'll talk about uh, here soon. Uh, so that's yeah, he's going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. So it seems like if he's the overarching, or sorry, Ant-Man, but if he's going to be the overarching villain for the future, I think we're going to see more of a Thanos type hinting at the background for behind, maybe who's, who's pulling the strings behind Kang. Sure. That's a fair, fair thought. Um, all right. So moving on to, I mean, pandemic be damned. We do have movie news. Yeah. Uh, director James Gunn will be filming a Guardians holiday special in vain of like the Star Wars holiday special. Uh, and he'll be filming oh. it concurrently while working on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And it will be coming to Disney+. Plus. Don't know much about that. Um, James Gunn, Guardians, Christmas. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what else to say. I My hope is that it's just as cheesy as possible. And all I can think is that this is an opportunity for... Uh, Star Lord to try and introduce Christmas to the other characters and let oh them know what gosh. Christmas is all How about. How much fun would that be? That's that's the only thing I can think is that they're doing a Christmas special. It's got to be, hey, let me introduce you to the tradition of my planet, and it'll be ridiculous. Can we uh, please? Get, uh, that's my hope. Is that it? That's. Can we get Drax singing Christmas carols? Like that's what I feel like I need in my life. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> uh, anything Drax because he's so deadpan is perfect. Because he's the most ridiculous version of himself. And just um, Mantis messing up all, all the lines. And Baby Groot just humming I am Groot to a melodic tune. Or the everyone saying this is what they want for Christmas and Mantis saying this is what they actually want for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and then are they gonna are they gonna intermix um, uh, Thor in oh, this? Yeah. Is he gonna be a part of this trying to understand I the tradition? So. Uh, and talking about the fact that Odin is actually Santa Claus, oh my um, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many weird things they could do with that. I'm, I'm excited. If anything, it'll be, I hope they intentionally pan the, uh, the star Wars Christmas by making it as cheesy over the top and ridiculous as possible. All right. Um, uh, moving on with more sequel news, uh, an update on Black Panther 2. Uh, it has now been confirmed. They first said that they would not be using a CGI double for T'Challa, 
or Chadwick Boseman, but they now said they are not going to recast T'Challa in Black Panther. I knew no matter what their choice was, I was going to have mixed feelings, but overall be um, confident in Marvel's choices and believe that they made the right choice and talked to enough people involved in both Chadwick's life and uh, amongst the company to uh, properly bring the story forward. Yeah, the the legacy that Chadwick Boseman left beyond uh, Black Panther, but just in his character, the way he carried himself, the way he lived his life, um, to try and have somebody step in to fill his shoes, the the noble thing to do would be let it go, move on, uh, cast somebody else, change the role, have somebody else, or not change the role, um, move on from the character, let the character pass, pay them tribute. Um, I'm sure they could find a way to intermix some of his lines and do things where they can splice it together to maybe do a send off for him do, within do the a movie. Carrie, a Carrie Fisher. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, and, but it, I think it would be a disservice to Chadwick Boseman to try and have somebody step in and carry that role. They would be, whoever did it would be forever cursed with trying to carry forward um, such an iconic character and iconic role. And, as far as a Black Panther's still one of the best received um, Marvel standalone movies across the board. Um, Absolutely. And, and so I, I, I feel like I'm fine with that. And Marvel will do a good job of sidestepping, uh, introducing the next person to take on the mantle of Black Panther. There will be a Black Panther, just won't be T'Challa. And it's, it's very interesting to, to me, the two options that people um, bring up most often Neither of them work for me. Um, the first option that people present is uh, Shuri, but to me, Shuri is her skill sets lie otherwise. She's not a physical warrior like the Black Panther has always been, whether it be T'Chaka or T'Challa. Yeah. Um, she her experience lies with um, her her tech, which is not not to cheapen or lessen that at all. It's fantastic, but it's just she doesn't seem like Black Panther. Also. If she were to get the mantle, anybody who questions her rule, and she's very young and she's also not interested in ruling, can just show up and have a trial by combat. And Shuri's a she's a tiny lady, you know, she's she's yeah. very small. And so the other person people bring up is Winston Duke as Umbaku. My issue with Umbaku is he's from the Jabari tribe, which um, they worship the ape or the white the white ape. Um, they don't believe in, um, I believe the best, I'm trying to remember the name of the Panther God, but they don't believe in the Panther God. No. Um, so and that's, it doesn't make sense that he would become Black Panther. Ruler of Wakanda, maybe, but not the next Black Panther. No, but that's the thing of the Black Panther is the ruler of Wakanda. That's right the now, whole because point. that's that's their tribe. Yeah. But if he um, were to take over, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the Panthers anymore, I feel yeah, I feel like this is one of those scenarios where they are going to have to explore how they want to move forward carefully, very carefully. To um, not break it, continuity or um, you know character loyalties, and it's a it's rough. I'm surprised they're not pushing this back. Like they're pushing it back like I think four or five months. I'm surprised they didn't push it back a couple of years. Yeah, and I'm sure Marvel eventually had a game plan for how to get T'Challa out and move on with the future black panther um and the the passing of the torch the the hard part is now they're just being forced to do it way right. earlier than anticipated they didn't Absolutely. want to do it now they wanted to do this down the road 
And so, well, how do you navigate that in this setting? Right. Um, all right. So we just only have a few more, so we'll try to get through these. Um, uh, ironically, we have giant news for Ant-Man. Uh, the film will be titled Ant-Man Quantumania. And can I just really quickly say I'm loving the titles of this next phase of Marvel movies, whether it be Multiverse of Madness, Quantumania, Love and Thunder. Uh, the main cast is all set to return with the addition of now confirmed Jonathan Majors uh, from Lovecraft Country as Kang the Conqueror. And uh, so good. me and my girl just finished watching um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the animated show where Kang has a very large presence in it as the um, big time traveling villain. It's like, imagine Thanos screwing with timelines. It's a scary thought. Isn't that in... Uh... Doctor Strange, the uh, the bad villain at the back at the end of that. Um, Dormammu. Dormammu. Yes. I wanted to say Mordu, but that's not right. That's from Brave. That's a well, bear. You're thinking, of, <laughs> you're thinking of Baron Mordo, which was Chiwetel Ejiofor. There we go. Uh, but the idea that uh, to intermix time travel, um, and that's one of the big things that, with this next phase. If we're going to see multiverses and time travel and all these other things, this next phase could just be blown apart as far as timeline and what we we view um and so maybe that's the next maybe that's the way to go with the black panthers to mix that in but for ant-man to to be pulling in a character like kang is pretty impressive um and again ant-man was a movie that everyone was like what and no a lot of people didn't really want it uh the casting of paul rudd as ant-man a lot of people like paul rudd's a a a rom-com star he's not an action it wouldn't, hero. It wouldn't have worked for Hank Pym, but like that's when they said Ant Man, I was like, mm, and then they said Scott Lang, not Hank Pym. I said, okay, I can see that now. Oh yeah, way different. And uh, and I love that they went with old Hank Pym and young uh, Scott Lang. But the the dynamic there, they've they've hit two home runs with both the first two movies. Absolutely. Um, and I I think uh, Quantumania, the the idea that now also with Endgame. And uh, and going into time travel, all the things they've been able to figure out with that, with the quantum realm, uh, there's just the avenues for Marvel to move forward are, are varied, and they can literally pick from anything to pull off what they want to pull off. And uh, speaking to like all that expansion, they have now said that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will tie in both to WandaVision, which we already knew, and Spider-Man 3. And with some of the casting announcements that we haven't gotten around to talking about, um, the multiverse is like all but confirmed for spider-man or the spider-verse and i think with the success of into the spider-verse getting best animated film for the year i think they i think at first they were cautious about exploring uh multiverses with the spider-man universe and just in general thinking that it'd be over the heads of the general public which i understand the fear but with that um that big big win for them i think now they're ready to go full force into some of these higher concepts oh yeah um the future for Marvel is bright. Let's just say that they've literally, <laughs> they can pull from anything, do anything. And now that they, they've, uh, uh, let me just say, we can go back to uh, Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse, possibly one of the best Spider-Man movies we've ever received. To me, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. And then I'd say that Far From Home is actually my favorite um, live action film. And I have yeah. to divvy them up that way. Yeah, because it, it's separate, it, but it does such a good job uh, in that movie, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just excited because we get a, um, 
literally anything they want to do right now with the Spider-Man multiverse. Uh, and if we're really talking about like Spider-Man and what they're, what they're, we think might be coming down the pipeline with all the actors supposedly confirmed, uh, depending on what news site you're listening to, uh, sp- like that, that we might actually get the Tobey Maguire, Andy Garf, Andrew Garfield. You can call uh, him Andy. And, We're friends. <laughs> and and uh, Tom Holland, multiverse layover that uh, we get to see all three on screen. Are they going to bring back Gwen Stacy? There's there's rumblings. Uh, or are they going to mix in a Miles Morales that we just don't know of yet? In that, that case, who are they going to cast? Uh, that, think- that's the thing. Somebody I think this a- would be a good treatment for the people who still love uh, Tobey Maguire. A lot of people still love Tobey Maguire and think of him as their Spider-Man. I happen to really love him. Um, you you paused there for a second, but I, I will agree with you. I, I've enjoyed both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man uh, for different reasons. And it would be, I think, very appropriate. Andrew never got a proper send-off because his franchise uh, kind of fell apart in the second movie. And I would have loved to see more of him. Uh this would be a really cool chance to see both Toby and Andrew get a send off um, and do an official torch passing to Tom Holland's Spider-Man. As far as the Miles Morales thing goes, it would be a lot to introduce in this movie. And I've heard somebody else make a good point that uh, he, Spider-Man seems to always be playing second fiddle to somebody. And in the first uh, Iron Man movie, or sorry, the first Spider-Man movie, it was Iron Man. He was under the shadow of Iron Man, and he was still feeling that shadow in uh, both Far From Home and Infinity War. And now they're saying that Doctor Strange is going to be taking over that uh, mantle uh, as far as being, or not the mantle, but the, the burden of being the kind of coach to Spider-Man. So with introducing potentially all these other Spider-Men, I just don't want it to take away from... Uh, who peter is and let peter be his own hero and his own character so introducing i'm a little cautious by introducing all like the other two spider-man and their villains and miles morales like i think tom finally needs to get a movie where he gets to be the spider-man so hopefully they balance it well but i have all the faith in the world when it comes to marvel yeah i think that this is an opportunity where they can really do a lot um and i don't if they do bring the other guys in it's in a limited capacity just to do like a fan treatment of bringing them in without them overtaking the role or that they come in, they're having problems and Tom Holland has to step up as the that savior. That would be Spider-Man. fantastic. I would um, love that. You know, and especially because Tobey Maguire is older now, you know, yeah. you could play him as the old beat up. He's, he's the Peter B. Parker now. Oh my gosh. And which you, by the way, the, my favorite character in all of uh, uh, the Spider-Verse is Peter B. Parker. Uh, the old out of shape. I ate too much pizza. My life fell apart. I got married and divorced. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm the middle we, Spider-Man. Can we say like, or just how cool it would be? I mean, I'm I'm afraid of them taking it out of hands. But to have Jake Johnson show up in some capacity in live action would kill me. His sarcasm it. as Spider-Man as as Peter B. Parker is so yeah. so good. If any. Um, I think we're still we're still experiencing some connection issues, but I, I think that seeing Jake would be uh, very entertaining. And again, I, I don't want them to overstuff it and have like 20 Spider-Men because then it's just a giant uh, cliche and you basically get what you got with Crisis on Infinite Earths with the CW-verse, which uh, the general 
uh, reception of that was that it was pretty disappointing and it was just so much fan service that it lacked actual structure or like content, which I understand. Um, I do want to move on to our last uh, topic and I, I'm going to say last because we had some Disney stuff uh, queued up here, but just between uh, like connection issues and some of the things we'll probably have to save that for another day or bring it up in another conversation. But uh, I am saving the best for last. Uh, Kevin Feige announced that Marvel's first family is coming to the big screen and will be directed by Spider-Man's John Watts, which is interesting because Peyton Reed has been campaigning for years that he would love to do a Fantastic Four movie. And he also is in the Marvel family doing the Ant-Man films. But uh, John Watts is two for two for me. Like I enjoyed Homecoming. I think Far From Home is even better. Um, I think there's several directors maybe outside the MCU that I would have picked for Fantastic Four, but nevertheless, seeing Marvel take on these characters has me very excited. And I say this because out of everything announced for the MCU, this is what I'm most excited about currently. I'm just glad they picked somebody with a good track record, not some new guy, not some upstart. Um, they, somebody who knows how to put together a story, put together a film. And then also I trust, <laughs> I trust Marvel so much more than I trust Fox to make anything hero related. Um, I mean, X-Men one, maybe X-Men two. Um, I, there's so much that could be um, really positive going forward here that I'm, I'm excited for this because I feel like we're going to get the treatment that they deserve. I agree. And I think it's kind of unanimous. Like, you know, this, these last couple of years have been the years of the fans kind of causing casting, whether it be Rosario Dawson, who um, there was a lot of fan fervor for back in 2017. Um, I, I wanted Jason Momoa for Aquaman before it ever happened. Um, and uh, so it's, it's exciting to see that the voices can be heard. And if there's, oh, and then Brian Reynolds getting a chance to be Deadpool again. But uh, has there ever been something as loud as people shouting to the heavens that we want John Krasinski and Emily Blunt to be Reed Richards and Sue Storm? And those two have heard the calls for it. Hopefully Marvel has too. And I think that would be really great unless they're going a completely different direction and they want to do a younger cast again, which I think would be a mistake. Uh, but John Watts is does a really good job with working with younger actors and child stars that's in some of his independent films that's what he did and also the spider-man film so i don't know if he's going to take a look at an older cast um i think we probably are in agreement on reed richards and Stu storm is there people that you would like for maybe a ben Grimm or a human torch no as far as casting i there's not anybody who really jumps out at me because um I, I actually liked uh, Young Giffard or uh, Ian Giffard for um, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, Michael Chiklis as Thing uh, or Ben Grimm. Great. That, that, I was all for those original casts. Um, my my bigger thing is who's going to be the villain? Who they, If they're going to do Doom again, are they going to do him properly? And I'll be honest, I would, I would prefer them to do somebody else and save Doom. I'm very mixed um, on that because like I'm anxious to see a good Doom. But at the same time, Fantastic Four has always been about dimension hopping, time traveling, going through vortexes and wormholes and space travel. 
and Doom's an Earthbound villain, and there's so much more that you could do with Fantastic Four than just the leader of Latveria. Absolutely. Um, and they can, if you rush stuff, we know what happens, right? Yeah. Or if you if you just have a crappy story, we know what happens. <laughs> and so with we've we've seen three different Fantastic Four movies, uh, or the uh, Fan Four stick. Uh, the the fact is, we need better. We need a better story. The casting, yeah, the casting. I'm sure they'll pick people, and I'm sure that it's, it doesn't matter who they pick. There's going to be hardcore fans to say, you know what, I don't like it. Um, my thing is, put something better on screen, regardless of the casting, and the casting will be fine. I'll be an adult if, it, if they pick somebody else for Reed and Sue. I'm not going to throw a tantrum about it. Like I think that we have two good choices, but there are thousands of actors out there. Yeah, exactly. I did like... Um, in the in the the fan four stick uh the uh, we just went blank on his name the gentleman My, who played miles teller yeah miles teller i liked his reed richards i thought yeah, he too. was really good at it um did i like jamie bell as ben Grimm? no no um and my thing is like i think michael b jordan could have worked as human torch but the inconsistency of needing to have an adopted family unnecessarily didn't work for me and Kate Mara on paper also could have worked but all of them together with terrible directing and writing not none of it came together listen when the director comes out and apologizes to the fans for what the studio put out that was not his vision pre going into the movie you know it's garbage he came out and made a public apology to the fans because the movie he wanted to make was not what they made and that's like Ben Grimm becomes an assassin for the military. Just dem- there's so many storylines. Release the trank cut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it was bad. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Can't wait to hear more news. I think it's like 2023 probably. So we're a ways out from it. Understandably uh, we are going to have, it's going to be worth it. We had this very, very dry year in a drought of comic book material. And we are going to go from, gasping for a drop of water or a drop of content to drowning in it. So you can almost yep. savor these last few days. Well, we talked about this on one of our other podcasts. The, the, the downer of 2020 means we're going to be backlogged and they're going to be pumping material into us like crazy. Uh, because not only have we not been able to watch anything, nothing's been hitting the, the screens, they haven't been able to produce. They can't make any movies because you the the protocols to film with COVID and the right. isolation and all these things are so intense that the and if cost... you get one case, you're shut down for like weeks. Look yeah, at Batman. The... Batman should have been done already, but it's gotten stopped and started and stopped and started. Which I'm still excited for, but um, you know, there's yeah, there's so many things that have been delayed with this year that coming down the pipeline, we're going to have superhero movies just mashing us. Because like you said, we're what, 560 days since we saw the last Something Marvel like movie. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what, what my co-host here is trying to say is that Disney's constipated. And uh, <laughs> I had to, they got a lot, of, a lot of stuff to flush down the line. I had to take some x lax and 2021 will be uh, the results of that. Which is fine. Send us the, the stuff. We want to see it. <laughs> Put it in a bucket. As gross as that sounds with the <laughs> X-Lax uh, visual. Right, but yeah, well, we, we have a lot of stuff we're waiting patiently for. That uh, The other thing is there's money tied up in the studios. They've, they've invested mountains of money, 
more than you and I could ever dream of uh, into making these properties. And now they're just squatting on them. Which is why they had to have this investors call, you know, and uh, make it public. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, I want to say thank you for our listeners for joining us as we dove into some of the biggest news stories of the year. Uh, I want to know what spoke to you guys. What are you most anticipating? Let us know in the comments below. And please don't forget to subscribe to Flick and Reel and hit that little bell icon so you can be notified every time we release new content. And if you are listening to us on SoundCloud, give us a follow from Scott and myself. Thank you for stopping by and keep it real. <laughs>